Turn in your Bible, if you have one, to Exodus chapter 12. We read a few moments ago from Exodus chapter 6, which spoke of God's reminding Moses of his promise to bring the people out of Egypt and take them to the land which he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in chapter 12, we see God beginning to bring it together. And he brings it together in the celebration that he initiated called Passover. We will take a look at it this morning, starting in Exodus chapter 12, and I will begin reading in verse number 1. And Jehovah spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be to you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household be too little for a lamb, then shall he and his neighbor next unto his house take one according to the number of souls. According to every man's eating, he shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. He shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. And he shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at even. And they shall take of the blood and put it on the two side posts on the le- and on the lentil, upon the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. With bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roast with fire, its head with its legs, and with the inwards thereof. Ye shall not let anything of it remain until the morning, but that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste, it is Jehovah's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt in that night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am Jehovah. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses wherein you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And there shall no plague be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to Jehovah throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. For us to fully understand and grasp what the the Lord God instituted on this occasion, Passover, we need to go back and get the context and get the full understanding of what God intended to do with this ceremony and this uh, occasion in the experience of Israel. We will go back to the very beginning, creation, 
When God created the heavens and the earth, He created it perfect, without blemish, without spot. He looked upon all of His creation, it says, and it was very good. And He rested on the seventh day. And He gave to Adam and Eve direction as to what they should fulfill on His behalf in the Garden of Eden where He placed them. He came down to reside with them and to live with them, to reside with them and to make His presence known to them. He interacted and fellowshiped with them personally, face to face. We can only imagine what they must have enjoyed in the Garden of Eden. They without sin, living within a garden without blemish or spot, without fear, without anxiety, walking and enjoying fellowship with God face to face. How they must have reveled in those times in the garden. Sadly, Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed the direction of God. He had told them not to eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. Don't eat of that tree, and the day that you do, dying you'll die, he said. The serpent came and tempted them, and presented them with the temptation to eat of that fruit, and they did. They yielded to that temptation, and they ate of that fruit. And in that day they began to die. They no longer had fellowship with God. They broke that fellowship. They no longer had the perfection in their own lives and bodies. They now had the mar of sin upon their minds and their conscience and their hearts. They could no longer fellowship with God face to face. He drove them out of the garden. But before he drove them out, he gave them a promise. And he said, the seed of the woman will come and will crush the head of the serpent. Well, as time passed, they had children. They had two sons to start with, Cain and Abel. Abel presented a sacrifice to God, which God accepted. Cain also presented a sacrifice to God, which God rejected. Cain grew angry and he slew his brother Abel. What happened to the seed of promise? Adam and Eve must have experienced great sorrow, not only at the loss of their son and the murder condemnation upon their other son, Cain. Now no seed. How will we have the seed who will crush the serpent? God gave them another son. Seth. And through the line of Seth progressed the seed that would provide for the champion who would crush the serpent. We come through the line of Seth until we finally come to Noah and we examine Noah and the flood and and the experience that he and his family went through as God judged the earth for their evil and their wickedness. And God promised that through Noah would come the seed through his son Shem. And we followed down through Shem until finally we came to Abram in the line of Seth, in the line of Shem, in the line of Adam and Eve. The seed of the woman, 
through whom God would provide a champion who would crush the head of the serpent. God called Abram out of an idol-worshipping society, Ur of the Chaldees and Babel, currently Iraq. And God called him and pulled him out, chose him for himself. And when God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees, he made a covenant with him that became the pivot point in God's progressive plan of redemption and restoration. Because through Abram he would provide not only a people for himself, but the Savior who would come. He reinforced this covenant with Abram. He had promised to him land. Follow me and I will take you to a land that I will give to you and to your offspring. I will give you many children. Nations will come from you. And through all the earth will be blessed through your seed. Later on, God reassured him with an oath. And promised him on his own word, I will fulfill my covenant with you. But first, your children are going to go down to Egypt. And they will remain there for 400 years. And they will become slaves and servants of another nation. But I will come and I will redeem them. I will draw them out and I will take them to the land which I have given to you and to your seed. That brings us to our setting today. God spoke to Moses. And he promised Moses, You will see what I will do to Pharaoh and what I will do on behalf of your people. My people. They will become my people and I will be to them their God. And I will fellowship with them and I will take up my residence with them and I will be with them. You will worship me and you will serve me. Moses, you cannot imagine what I will do on your behalf. The judgments that I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt on your behalf that I might redeem you to myself. A little later we come to the passage that we read a few moments ago. Exodus chapter 12. God came to Moses and Aaron and said, I want you to set aside this month as the beginning of your calendar. This will be the most important celebration and month of all of your year. And I want you to set aside a special time within this month of celebration that you will celebrate throughout all of your generations forever. This celebration will have the greatest importance in all of your year and all of your lives. And he laid out for them what we call Passover. God had brought a number of plagues upon Egypt to bring it to this point. This presented the last of the plagues that God would bring upon Egypt. After this plague, he promised Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh and the Egyptians will drive you out of the land. In case you doubt me, read the latter part of chapter 12 and on through the rest of Exodus and you will see God did exactly that. Pharaoh and his 
leaders and the people of Egypt came to them and said, Get out of here. We don't want you here anymore. Get out. We will give you of our silver and our gold and our clothes. Leave. came because of Passover. God described for Moses what he wanted them to do as part of this ceremony and this festival. I want you to set aside a lamb. A young lamb. A year old lamb. A spotless lamb. A lamb without blemish. Without defect. Not a broken leg. Not a missing ear. Perfect lamb. If you don't have a lamb, you can take a kid. A goat. A young goat. A year old. Spotless. Without blemish. And I want you to take that animal... And I want you to slay that animal and then I want you to roast it with fire. Don't cut it up. Don't break any of its legs or its bones. Roast it with fire, whole and complete. And then I want you, as you eat this sacrifice, I want you to eat it with your shoes on. That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? I mean, we typically will eat our meals with our shoes on, won't we? Maybe breakfast we have slippers on. But usually our feet are covered. While he was describing for them to be ready to leave on a moment's notice because of what he was going to bring as a plague upon Egypt. I want you to have your belt on. Get dressed. Be ready to go. Have your staff in your hand. And that's how you eat it. Prepared to flee and to leave. And if you have a small family or the family next door to you has a small family and, and, a, and a kid or a lamb would, would provide too much food for them to eat on their own, bring them into your home and share it. And whatever you have left after you've eaten and have filled to the full, burn it with fire. Don't leave anything left over. For you will see what I will do on your behalf. Furthermore, he instructed them to take the blood. When they had slain the animal, they would take the blood from a basin. And they would take some hyssop and they would go outside the door and they would smear some blood over the top of the door and some on each side of the door. What, what, what does that form? That forms a cross. Blood on the top and blood on the sides. Because here's what I will do. I'm going to go throughout all of Egypt. And I will destroy the firstborn in every home. And the firstborn of their beasts in every household. As a judgment against them. For their oppression upon you. And because of the evil and the wickedness among them of the idol gods that they had worshipped. And when the destroyer comes to go over the land, when it comes to the home that has the blood on the lintel and the doorpost, I will pass over that house. I want to explain that Passover. That describes a destroyer coming over a home and looking for the blood to see if there was any blood. If there were no blood, it would bring destruction upon that home. 
If there were blood on the doorpost outside, God would come between the destroyer and the house so that the destroyer could not, would not destroy the firstborn and the household of man and beast. He would pass over. He would come in between the destroyer and the object of destruction, the potential object of destruction. God said, I will protect you. Smear the blood. For that blood will serve as an identification to me that you have identified with that lamb that I told you to slay and to eat. And it will be to me an atonement Hmm. That's a big theological term. Basically what it means is that blood will provide a substitution on behalf of your firstborn in your home. Your firstborn deserves to die as well. Your firstborn is a sinful creature. The only thing that will protect that child from the destruction that the destroyer will bring to all of Egypt is the blood. The blood will identify and protect those within its household. It will atone. It will become a sacrifice. It will become a substitute for the life of the firstborn in that household. God in His grace making protection for the children of Israel that they would not experience the judgment that he brought upon Egypt. It says that God went throughout the land and the destroyer went out through Egypt and destroyed the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast throughout all of Egypt. And Pharaoh and his people rose up in the middle of the night and heard the wailing and the weeping and the sorrow of the people even in his own household. And he came to Moses and Aaron and said, Get out. Get out. Take your families. Take your children. Take your animals. Take everything. On every previous occasion... When Moses and Aaron had come to Pharaoh and asked for the freedom to go out in the wilderness to worship their God, Pharaoh had rejected them and refused. Who, who, is, who is this God? I don't know this God. I've got my gods here in Egypt. I worship them. We don't know that God. That God doesn't exist. Get out of here. No, you can't have your request. So when God brought this final plague, Pharaoh came to them and said, Get out. Take everything with you. Take your animals. Take your children. Take everything. And the families of Egypt came and they brought them their gold and their silver and their clothing as added incentive to get out and to leave because they said, We'll die. We'll all die if you don't leave. God brought judgment upon Egypt for their oppression, for their slavery of the children of Israel and their bondage. 
and for their wickedness, for their rejection of God. They had rejected God. He had revealed himself to them and his power and supremacy over all of their gods on every occasion. And they rejected God. We don't want that God. God redeemed his people. And he used the Passover as the occasion to bring them redemption. As we look at this ceremony that God instituted for the children of Israel to help them remember the occasion of his bringing them out and redeeming them with a strong arm, we can't miss the fulfillment of that ceremony in the life of Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus fulfilled every aspect of the Passover celebration. John the Baptist, whom God chose and sent before the Lord Jesus to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus, John saw him and pointed him out and said, There's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb. Furthermore, we read in Scripture that in every one of the Gospels it records the fact that the Lord Jesus in the time that he died was during the celebration of Passover. In fact, his crucifixion occurred at the time when they would sacrifice the Lamb as part of the celebration of Passover. God had instructed Moses, don't break any of the bones. No bones to be broken of this sacrifice. And we read in John's record of the crucifixion that when the soldiers came to break the bones of of those hanging on the cross to ensure that they would die more quickly, when they came to Jesus, they saw that he already died and didn't break any of his bones. No bones broken. We read also that the Lord Jesus had told his disciples and his followers before his death, he said, I'm going to die. And I'm doing it on purpose that I might provide a ransom for many. The Lord Jesus became our Passover. We read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7. You can make a note and look it up later if you choose. But Paul identifies the Lord Jesus as our Passover. Just as God came between the destroyer and those objects who deserved destruction, He came in between them to protect them. And the blood provided the identification of those households that He had promised to pass over and protect. So the blood of the Lord Jesus, the divine substitute, the divine Savior Redeemer, The Lamb without blemish or spot, sinless in all of His acts, no bones of Him broken, died on behalf of people like you and me who deserve judgment. We deserve condemnation. We have sinned against God. We deserve the wrath of God against sin. Oh, but the Lord Jesus, when He died as the Passover... He has provided in His blood a means by which 
we can take the blood in a similar fashion as the children of Israel did on the day of the Passover celebration. We can apply the blood of Jesus to our own lives so that we find identification with that sacrificial lamb, the Lord Jesus. So that when the destroyer, God, in this instance, bringing destruction and judgment and condemnation upon those who deserve it, the Lord Jesus will come in between and say, "Ah, my, My blood, my blood protects that one. That one has applied the blood to their lives and they're mine. Passover. That can be true of you. That can be true of me. We can apply that blood and we can lay claim to the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on our behalf to personalize it even further on my behalf. And you can say the my. And you can claim that blood, that sacrifice of the Lord Jesus as for you. And you can hide underneath it. You can find protection from that blood from the judgment and condemnation that you deserve. As we look back upon this ceremony that God designed and as we even contemplate the, the sequence of events that led up to Passover, we see God's revelation of Himself in such clear fashion. We find His grace God's unmerited favor to people who don't deserve it and can't pay it back regardless of our condition. God in His grace made a promise to Adam and Eve. I'll provide a champion who will crush the serpent. We find God's faithfulness. He fulfilled His promise. He provided Seth. He provided Noah. He provided Shem. He provided Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And on down line, you can follow down through that lineage until you come to Jesus. The final champion, the last Adam, the redeemer of sinners like you and me. The Passover lamb whose blood would provide forgiveness and protection for people like you and me. The faithfulness of God. He keeps His word. We find the transcendence of God. God rises and lives and exists above His creation. And in sovereignty He controls and directs His creation. And he proved his sovereignty not only in the initial creation, but we see it displayed here in Passover and the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt. How he sovereignly moved and changed the heart of Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. And how he proved himself superior to all of the gods of Egypt and showed and demonstrated their evil and their wickedness. Many people in that day thought gods only resided over a particular geographical area. So there's a god of Egypt, there's a god of Canaan, there's a god of Babel, there's a god of northern Africa, 
And every little territory had its own God. And God said, oh no, I am Jehovah. I am God. There is no other. And he demonstrated and proved it on Passover. Easter will come before long. A couple of weeks away. The week prior to Easter, we will remember the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. And remember how he became the Passover lamb. Sacrificed it even during Passover. The spotless lamb whose blood provides remission of sin. And then we will remember Easter, the resurrection. I pray that the Spirit of God will take these truths that we've examined so briefly this morning and will open your eyes to see God's plan of redemption and restoration. He redeemed the children of Israel out of Egypt that he might reside with them once again. That he might make his presence manifest to them. That they might fellowship with him and he with them. And the Lord Jesus did the same thing. When he died on the cross and rose again, he did it that he might come and fellowship with us. People like you and like me. That we might experience his manifest presence in our lives. In our daily experience. In our communities of fellowship like unto today. I pray that the Spirit of God will draw you to worship Him, to love Him, to praise Him, to thank Him, to view Him with awe and admiration, to love Him to such a point that you'll trust Him. Trust Him with your own life. Trust Him with your eternal destiny that you will obey Him, that you will worship Him and serve Him. I pray the Spirit of God will come to you and bring these things to pass in your lives today.